Hello everyone, this is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and I am here with my friend, Mitch Barukowitz, who is the managing partner, as you know, of Merida Capital. And uh, we're here in Vegas at MJ Biz 2022. He flew in and he decided to stop by and have a chat with me. We're going to have a chat about what he's doing here in Vegas. And why would a guy like this be in Vegas this time of year? Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for getting my name right, by the way. That's, just, that's amazing. I, you know, people often get that wrong. Um, I mean, everyone's here. Yeah. So it's, it's a great time. Is that part of it? Everyone's here? Yeah, I think it's more about the meetings nowadays. Yeah. You know, it used to be walk the floor, find innovation. Like, early on, I used to love walking the expo and, like, stop at every booth and, uh-huh. you know, find out business models. And um, there's still that curiosity. Mm-hmm. But walking the floor has a lot less allure once people know who you are mm-hmm. because everyone wants to pitch you. Mm-hmm. So now when you stop at a booth, it used to be great to be, like, unknown. You know, because I could just stop at a booth, ask a thousand questions, and they would answer. <laughs> now it's like, oh, where do you work, Merida? Oh, um, I think we said our deck. You know, everyone said their yeah. deck already. Yeah. So then you get a, a different response. But I, I really enjoy, you know, still like the seeing stuff. I think yeah. the expos become a little less important to to folks like me because I have seventy five portfolio companies. Yeah. Forty of them will be here. I'll probably meet, or they'll all be here, but I'll meet right. with forty of them. You will in the next I'll meet couple with 40 days. Of my portfolio companies, yeah. yeah, yeah, while I'm here. Yeah, I figured that's why you come. I, I mean, four or five people it's here. great. It makes it convenient for everybody. Absolutely. I mean, it, uh-huh. wear and tear of travel yeah. is less nowadays post COVID, but I also think you know we like to run Merida in alignment with our goal. Okay. And if the goal is intellectual curiosity, rigor, mm-hmm. being on the ground and being able to look people in the eyes and and have deeper conversations, talk to companies that we're still interested in, right? Um, especially in a time of volatility in the space capital's been extremely short yeah let's so, talk about that yeah you know and that's why i wanted to have you yeah. on mitch is it's just where's the money yeah and, and what is the money thing where it isn't no yeah um <laughs> you know the money is there in in bits and pieces it's interesting mm-hmm. that we have been what we see now is a lot of investors fall into a few categories okay. some of them invested early and got burnt mm-hmm. some of them have been with merida for a long time they've done well they're repeat customers, you know, across the four funds that we have. Mm-hmm. And then you find people who have been curious and just there's so much headline now. Right. Biden coming out, mm-hmm. um, you know, the stocks are down. Mm-hmm. If, if you're a relatively savvy investor, you're, you're looking at momentum up. Yes. Stocks down. Uh-huh. There's a, you know, a big divergence. And that divergence brings, especially in, in the financial circles, like in New York, I get a ton of unsolicited questions now about, hey, is this a good time to get into this stocker? But people are still very focused on the public aspect. And what they're missing underneath is that massive growth of innovation, um, states, two Mm -hmm. new ballot measures. Oh, we got them done. Yeah. Missouri and Maryland, two places where where we're very active. Yeah. Um, And then you look at other things that we think are happening that people don't take note of. You know, we always joke around that the biggest companies in the space are are rec companies masquerading as medical companies because that's how they got their licenses. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine. But but you can see a, a New York is going to go adult use. There's going to be a thousand adult use providers, but there's only 10 medical. So the mm-hmm. medical side to us is you're starting to see insurance reimbursement start to become a, a much more popular mm-hmm. um, topic. And yet who's going to be left to even serve? And that's where we're, we're really excited about the medical side. New York uh, in particular, changed the definition of prescription drug for their 
public insurance plans. That's big, right? Huge. It's huge. I mean, uh, the there's a few new court cases that are challenging workers' comp reimbursement. Okay. Um, those look good. Those are new states. It's not just New York, New Jersey leading the way. Uh, we there's a, there's a case in Minnesota which almost made it to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So you're starting to see, even if those cases don't win, they force people to put their positions on paper in a court case so you understand where the insurer is coming from. You understand how judges, the questions they ask. Right. So I think all that is framing up what I think is going to be the next real growth area, the shift from medical cannabis to cannabis-based medicines. Okay. And that's when you're going to start, when you start to see reimbursement, you're going to see medical innovation in a way that we haven't seen yet. And I think that's a huge opportunity. Maybe not for like the public companies, which everyone wants to focus on, but for the other 16,000 companies that can touch that in some way. Yeah. The grower who's going to provide it to the medical like operators. Yeah. The, 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 um, the extractors, the people with expertise in cannabinoid isolation, which we're seeing more and more. Yeah. Now. The beverage makers, the tinctures, right. the more medical forms. Yeah. There's a series of events before that happens. Right. How do you see, I mean, is, is there going to be an explosion of a lot of things happening at the same time here? It's always been that way. Yeah. It seems like the the biggest thing is on the mm -hmm. capital side is you run through cycles, right? When stocks go up, they kind of run. Mm -hmm. People get excited. Big companies start to raise money. That money gets people more excited because it, you know, a lot of investors, they don't, they care about performance, but they care about access to capital more than performance, right? Because companies that have access to capital don't go out of business. Right. They may not provide the greatest ROI. Mm -hmm. Or shareholder returns, but, they'll but be they there don't next go out year. of business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we we've been noodling around. Uh, we we looked historic over the last five years about companies that we think do the best. And what's interesting is if you look at the cycles. Okay. I think one of the hardest things in cannabis to do is to identify when there's a winnable moment and when there's a non-winnable moment. And the non-winnable moments would be like California two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. Every dollar spent was into a furnace. There's nothing. There's no winning when you're competing against a massive flood of local illicit market products. Mm -hmm. There's no winning. Yeah. Winning is survival. And I think the best CEOs are now positioned to understand those cycles better. If you look, a great example is the pullback in Florida. Okay. Most of the large companies in Florida are spending no capex anymore. They're not opening new dispensaries. If they are, it's very slow. The deal GTI and Circle K. Yeah. That that, that, that was just announced. That's not about gas stations. Mm -hmm. That's about. GTI not spending a dollar to open up dispensaries. That's yeah. what that deal is about. That's a great point. Right? It's about I didn't think of it like that when I first But that's what it saw. is. Yeah. It's not, it's, I mean, the building, the structure's there. Yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's there. It's meeting consumers where they're at. Yeah, and right. And other strategic. I mean, it, it's great strategically. Mm -hmm. But if you said to GTI, what is the highest priority reason for this? Mm -hmm. Their answer might be something like, we don't have to spend a dollar to open 20 new dispensaries. Right. Find that in cannabis. Yeah. And you know, and we pay a lease. That was good. So it's interesting when you look at that. Truly, just announced they're they're taking some capacity down in Florida. Mm -hmm. So you know, you you find that that to me looks like a non-winnable moment. It doesn't mean you can't succeed in non-winnable moments. It means that's not the time to lean in on capital expenditure. And I think a lot of CEOs have learned a lot over the last couple of years. And I think this down period has. You know, iron makes iron. Uh -huh. And the companies that come out of this are going to be are going to be extremely strong operators yeah. at a time when yeah. we have the up cycle. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting because we didn't have that in 17, yeah. 18. Now, we also dropped from really high yeah. highs. That's painful. No, that is. You know, like, when we fell before, it was from like the second floor. <laughs> now it was like, you know, these stocks got so high. True, we got to 57 or 58, mm -hmm. you know, on the American side. And, you know, the, the price targets were 
So everything wraps up. The price targets go up, but then everyone took their earnings yeah. estimates down. Things dropped on that. But then you look at one of our portfolio companies, Grogen, which is you know a great example of a good public company, mm-hmm. and they've, they their stock got very high. They take their estimates down. Stock drops from, like, call it 12 to 4. But then they announce great earnings relative to the dropped estimates. Start to establish faith again. So you're starting to see the cycle of faith and belief come in. And that's usually what happens before you see a real capital cycle. Yeah, I keep telling people what's happening in cannabis is so normal and so yeah. expected. I mean, these yeah. are the things that's supposed to happen. Yeah. And the iron hits the iron. Yeah. And you create great companies. I think it's a little... The only thing I would say that differentiates cannabis is that federal illegality does make access to survival capital much more difficult. So okay. companies... I mean, when you look totally. at California in particular... Yeah. Companies run into a wall and it's over. It's over, It's yeah. just, you know... That's a fair and you, point. And you can't go bankrupt. So right. if you're investing in a big private company... Yeah, because bankruptcy is a federal uh, right. act. So, yeah. you, so you have to go to a receiver, and if you you see, and uh-huh. the receiverships tend to not work out for equity investors. Yeah, right. It tends to skew towards the debt holders. And I mean, I do have a bank. My legal training was partly in bankruptcy, so it's an area I know very well. Uh-huh. That the lack of bankruptcy protection is a big issue for big private companies mm-hmm. in the space. Mm-hmm. You know, and just here, Flower One is an example of they file bankruptcy in in. Um, in Canada, but how's that working for? Well, you have to do it through a corporate mm-hmm. action. I mean, I I think it's probably pretty expensive. <laughs> if you had asked me, yeah. But um, I don't know. We're gonna see. But they're trying to take the company private, mm-hmm. so it's a different type. But like, if you're an equity investor and there's fifty million dollars of debt, even on a five hundred million dollar company, the company is gonna be run for the by the receiver for the benefit of those debt holders. Yeah. So it's tough to take that risk, and that's another thing I think holds back. Like bankruptcy is just a set of rules. For when things go bad, mm-hmm. without it, it's a free for all. And I think you know, te- uh, sophisticated investors, institutional investors, tend to avoid free for alls if they can. Right? There's a lot of other industries that have rules, <laughs> and, have, and that's why I think that is the differentiation. Yes, this cycles are normal. Mm-hmm. Think of the tech destruction in yeah. 2003. It's crazy. Oh well, 2000 to 2003. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy. I do think that you you also have the added element of like a very uncertain economy, right? A very uncertain economy. So. What, 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 let's talk about the economy. Yeah. What are you thinking? What's happening? I mean, I mean I'm not an economist. But well, I, I, no, no one is. I don't talk to economists. I, I talk to regular people I about the economy. cannabis prices are going down, but inflation's <laughs> going up. That's a good thing. No, but I, yes. what I've noticed is with our operators, um, a lot of our ancillary stuff is more expensive now. Whether it's soil or um, or rock wool or um, or any of the the inputs into mm-hmm. growing have gone up a little bit. Okay. Because of supply chain related issues. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, the prices tend to drop over time. And that's why we like limited markets that are opening up into REC because early on there's a huge pricing arbitrage. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the economy, I think just like cannabis, there's pockets of hyperinflation and, you know, scarcity. And then there's pockets of, of, um, of more or less scarcity. I do think fear is a bad thing for the cannabis industry because you're already asked to take a bigger chance when yeah. you're investing in cannabis. Yeah. So I deal with that with people all the time who say, you know, is this the right time? I know cannabis stocks are low, but the economy, and then you ask them how they're doing personally, and they're like, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Yeah. 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 And that, that's what's confusing. That's a feeling. Yeah. That's, it's, you know, you know, I just heard this morning that spending is expected. This Black Friday, yeah. whatever that means yeah. to anybody. It starts on Tuesday now. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Whenever that happens, it's supposed to be through the roof. 
Well, I think, it's supposed to go I crazy. I think it's probably e-commerce. It's e-commerce has allowed people to literally all spend their money on Black Friday, though. <laughs> right? Because you just do a big... Like, you don't have to go there's no ride on Amazon.com. <laughs> so, like, and, and you don't get punched with someone for like an LED TV. Right? Yeah. You know, like yeah. 10 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. But, no, I do think... Um, I think the consumer... I, I'm interested to see what happens over the next year mm -hmm. in the economy just because I think obviously we're in an industry that has its own trajectory regardless of the economy. Yeah. But what I'm most interested to see is how resilient mm -hmm. the American economy is because we're, we're trying to transition a lot of offshoring back home, which means CapEx spending, which is good, but a lot of, you know, local jurisdictions don't have the money to give tax breaks, which used to be how manufacturing was built. So you lose that carrot and stick yeah, and so I'm interested to see how much we can bring back a lot of supply chain back to America, mm -hmm. especially with like the global. Mm -hmm. And plus, there's always the uh, the risk of some kind of you know there is a war going on right on the doorstep of Europe that yeah. it doesn't affect us day to day, but you know I think that can affect what how people think if China were to do something aggressive with Taiwan. That's a much different economic calculus than Ukraine, which doesn't really have too much to do with the American economy. Taiwan and China, China. hugely Big impactful. Big deal. Right? Yeah. And, and what do you think is going to happen there? You know, I try to, to stay apolitical <laughs> in business. I try to see facts for what it is. Uh -huh. I am definitely concerned that um, American perceived weakness globally has not been great for the world over mm -hmm. the last 120 years. If you look at 1913, and, and again, in 1938, 39, America's indifference to what's going on in other places mm -hmm. tends to invite kind of global... People peeking yeah, in. Global, yeah, global you know, mischief. Uh -huh. And I think um, China is looking for a reason. I mean, we didn't do very much when they cracked down on dissidents in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at the last, like, 10 years, there's been a trajectory of... Action. You know, Nancy yeah. Pelosi went to yeah. Tiananmen Square yeah. in a very controversial move in, what was that, two, uh, 1990s or 2000, and she would never do that again. She went to, now she went to Taiwan and it was controversial. It was very controversial. But I, but I applaud her for doing that, and I think it's the right thing to do. However, I don't think Biden should, be, should have been meeting with, with Xi Jinping. That is just not a good move for American foreign policy in general. Mm -hmm. um, I'm concerned that, you know... Other regimes look at us as kind of like the brain center is compromised, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that definitely concerns me. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants what you said to happen. Yeah, the China time. Yeah, nobody no, wants that. That would be that. That would, that would be that would be that something that would right be, there. That's that would be scary good. for the world. That'd be scary yeah. for the world. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Now, <clears throat> this is you know it, it's it's quite interesting. Now, what are you thinking about putting your money into? I love the medical side. I think okay. uh, we have a precision dosing tool which just got released, okay. which we've seen the data that comes. So they they basically, every time someone pulls on, so it you can put any threaded cartridge into it. Okay. And then when you pull, it can read the, the contents of the vapor that you've pulled. And so it can tell you how much myrcene or uh -huh. you know, beta-carafeline you've taken in. And we think that for the medical side, that's going to be tremendous. Mm -hmm. So it just got released. But we've seen the result of 5 million polls. And there's a difference between men and women. And there's a difference between young people. The polls are different. The, okay. And it's, so we're seeing amazing data from that. So, so I'm really interested in turning data into actionable, monetizable, either insights for bigger companies that want to get in the space or, or turning them into 
you know, consumer-facing insights. Right. Um, so that's one area that I'm, I'm never going to stop spending. That's I've been talking about, I talked about that the first time we spoke. Yeah. I'll never stop talking about how you can turn sort of mundane data yeah. into deep insights, especially in a space that has a sort of white space like this. Uh, I deeply believe in the medical side, and, and I think it's going to disrupt a lot of traditional industries, and I, so I think there's a huge opportunity there. Um, I believe in data, the other, you know, ad tech. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, not much has changed in what we're looking at, industrial hemp. Mm-hmm. What's changed is how, now we're a year deeper into these, and when Merida gets deep in something, we typically find things that other people haven't necessarily, un, you know, unraveled yet. Okay. And that gets us so deep down, you know, uh, Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole, <laughs> that at some point we start to figure it out. Uh-huh. And then, you know, new states coming online. Um, mm-hmm. We announced about six months ago that we were we have an initiative in Costa Rica okay. to build um, with an industrial uh, a sugar uh, conglomerate there called El Viejo. No one is talking about Costa Rica. Costa Rica, mm-hmm. huge tourist destination, socialized medicine, mm-hmm. very cosmopolitan demographics, mm-hmm. and like most Latin American countries, uh, a very strange relationship with cannabis. Mm-hmm. Right, not necessarily the most supportive no, yeah. at the government levels, maybe because because of the Catholic nature of some of these countries mm-hmm. historically. But um, Costa Rica should be an amazing opportunity. And what we're building there is going to actually support small micro-growers. Mm-hmm. We'll have a processing facility so that micro-growing entrepreneurs can also process so that they don't have to spend the capex. So we, we hope to do an amazing job there, but also amazing for the economy and mm-hmm. for other. We really want to do well and, and spread the entrepreneurial wings in a place like that. So, you know, it's just little idiosyncratic opportunities that are based off the primary thing that we've been studying forever, which is what does the shift from an illicit market or an unregulated market look like when it becomes a regulated market? That's the core of everything we do. Wow. That's great. I mean, that's a great way to make that the foundation that's, of your thought process, I mean, right? It's the, it's, yeah, that's it. You know where the consumers are. Yeah. You don't know. You know, I think a lot of people have always talked about that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. it's a $100 billion mm-hmm. market and only 25 is legal. Those are just words. What, what does it mean when you're studying? What are you reading to, to really educate yourself on what that illegality? So what we studied is what happens in the mindset shift for someone when illegality evaporates? Mm-hmm. What happens with respect to medical users? Mm-hmm. What happens with respect to people who are self-medicating? Mm-hmm. What happens to people who are buying bulk from a dealer. So not only looking at how the behavior is going to be shaped by mindset, but what the behaviors are. COVID helped. Why? Because people, how is illegal cannabis usually sought after? Mm-hmm. Delivery. Yeah. Now delivery is legal everywhere because of COVID. <laughs> right? Curbside delivery. So you look at yeah. you look at the access and the quality and when you look at all those things, there's so much to unpack on the unregulated market becoming regulated mm-hmm. that for us that has to be. But then it goes into 40 different ways, right? Why industrial hemp? Because now that hemp's legal everywhere, it's going to be in every material, whether it's cotton. Wow. So we're yeah. big on processing of industrial hemp. Okay. Huge. Okay. We've made, oh, I don't know, several investments there. Okay. But then also, you know, making sure we're taking advantage of beverage technology. Mm-hmm. Why? Because younger consumers who haven't grown up in, in an illegal marketplace, they want to try different form factors. When we were young, it was illegal, and the only way to consume it was combustion. There were no, I mean, you can make your own brownies, but there were no brownies in packages. Right. And if God forbid someone tried to give it to you somewhere, you know, right. if you didn't know the person, you weren't taking whatever they were giving you because right. it could be acid for all you know. Right. So I think there's a lot of different behaviors and understanding the newer consumer who's grown up in a largely, if you're 25 years old, you don't really know what cannabis illegality is. Think about it. Wherever you live, yeah. you were a plane trip away when you're 18, seven years ago. 
So you're 25 right now. Seven years ago was 2015. Yeah. It was legal in Colorado. Mm -hmm. California passed a ballot measure in 16. 16 was the unlocking of the rec markets, right? Eight ballot measures got passed. So that means anyone under 25 who's legally consuming now doesn't really know what federal prohibition looks like when it's absolute. I think that's a big deal. I think it's a huge opportunity to understand that consumer and how they want to consume, whether it's new forms. And I think that's what we're, I mean, for us, it's just like we wake up, we consume information, and then we look to invest. <laughs> I love it. That is great. That is, you guys have heard it from the pro, from the pro, Mitch Berkowitz. Mitch is the Merida Capital Managing Partner. I am. And he is, and I really appreciate you coming on the you show. You can tell, today. you know, like, regardless of what happens in the space, it's, it's, when you look underneath what's happening, the progress is amazing, and uh, it hasn't dulled my energy for, for what's happening Dude, you have, you, I love it when you come visit me. Yeah. Uh, you, you bring so much knowledge, and today you brought the way to think about it. And I think that's important, and that's what you have to do if you're going to write a check. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to think. Yeah. Of the... If you want to ever collect on it, exactly. Anyone can write a check. <laughs> exactly. Anyone can write a check. Exactly. Yeah, that's a little different. Yeah, a little, a little different. That's a different. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. I want to thank you for being with us today. We'll see you on the other side. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.